You stupid fucking cunt. You, Williamson, I'm talking to you, shithead. You just cost me $6,000. $6,000 and one Cadillac. That's right. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it, asshole? You fucking shit. Where did you learn your trade, you stupid fucking cunt, you idiot? Whoever told you that you could work with men? Could I, uh... Oh, I'm going to have your job, shithead. I'm going downtown. I'm going to talk to Mitch and Murray. I'm going to Lemkin. I don't care whose nephew you are, who you know, whose dick you're sucking on, you're going out. I swear to you, hey, you're going... Let's get this done. Welcome to Generation Loss, the show about movies featuring me, Bryn, and also Jeremy. What's going on? It's the show about movies. We still <laughs> haven't really gotten the... Uh, it's been a year and change. We still haven't really... No, 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 no. The, the point is, is that I do it different every time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the intro it. changes every it's time. The premise stays the same. Yeah, exactly. It's important it's, to understand. It, <laughs> it's barely about movies, <laughs> but the important part is that it... It features us. <laughs> it's the show about movies with Brandon and Jeremy, and yeah. this week also with my dear friend Emily Panic. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? Welcome, today, welcome Emily? to the show, Emily. How are Thanks. you? How, how's it going? Oh, it's going fine. How are you guys? I'm great. I'm feeling good. I'm like sleeping a lot more. Uh, wow. recently which is fucking fantastic your son allows you such a <laughs> such a such a pleasure yeah well so we've gotten past the uh there was like a, a long time where like there was like a middle of the night thing where it would like every night middle of the night like somewhere around like two or three you got to wake up and do something and, and we're past that now and we're finally sleeping through the night but now we wake up at five mm. and <laughs> <laughs> so it's really it's i'm still getting the same number of hours but it's not interrupted in the middle, and somehow that's better. So okay, what time yeah. do you go to sleep? I go to sleep still at like the same time as I normally would. Like I go to sleep at like you know, <laughs> two a.m. <laughs> yeah. So it's just this manic not sleeping energy, really. Yes, exactly. And like I, I um, my eyes don't really work anymore, and like my my skin feels like paper. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> You're just gonna become more aged. You're yeah, gonna exactly. like age like the end of. Uh, last crusade yeah, ex- yeah exactly <laughs> yes um i was thinking also like um like the fly it's kind of got like a fly sort of an energy mm-hmm. to it where i'm like kind of constantly watching myself change and like <laughs> obsessed with your creation and yeah, like <laughs> reporting in with myself about like ooh, i never noticed that lights had tracers before <laughs> <laughs> look i have hairs growing off of my back they're all thick <laughs> Ooh, that's gross <laughs> yeah that's my favorite part of the, I know we talked about the fly on this show before, but my favorite part of the fly of, for sure is like how much he seems to like delight in the grossness at, yeah, he's at like points. So interesting. And he's like, it's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway, Emily, 
what else have you been watching recently aside from what we are here to talk about? Um, okay. Oh, I've shit. I re- <laughs> <laughs> I watched Belly for the first time recently. Oh, Hype Williams. Um, Hype Williams and RIP DMX. And RIP. I think this is an unpopular opinion, but well, maybe it's not. It's not a good movie. It's a bad movie. No, mm. it's, it's a. <laughs> it's, have you seen it? <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah. I mean, it I'm looks not. like a very stylized, like two-hour music video, which it mm. looks cool, but just. The acting is so bad. DMX is okay sometimes, um, but I mean, Nas is terrible. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that movie—it wasn't great. Hype Williams didn't. Is that the only movie Hype Williams ever made? Yes. It's the so only. So that makes why. sense then that it looks like a music video. <laughs> that no, kind of, of makes sense to me. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense, and and it looks cool. But I was just like. I understand why you have Nas and DMX, you know, because they're famous and, and mm-hmm. Nas, I think, co-wrote it. Um, but I'm I probably think, just friends with hype and whatever. Sure. So that makes sense to me. But I'm like, you should have gotten real actors also, <laughs> like, to be in the movie with you. Like right. the movie ATL, which I actually love the movie ATL. I haven't seen it in a in a few years, but also a movie that has a bunch of rappers acting in it. Although T.I. actually can act. He is a pretty mm-hmm. decent actor. But then they have real actors, you know, acting alongside him, kind of helping to pull the weight. So right. those are my notes for, for Hype <laughs> on Belly. Although, yeah, it's R.I.P. Weird. everybody who made that yeah, movie. Yeah, Hype if you're listening. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to imagine, like, watching that movie now as an adult. Like, I watched it at my neighbor's house when I was, like, eight or something and was like this movie's incredible yeah <laughs> right or no not how old am i <laughs> do the math do the quick math <laughs> yeah, yeah i was probably like 10 or 11 or something but i was like i loved it when i was a kid but it just like i didn't really care that it was bad yeah right um and i think a lot of people who grew up with it are just like it's so cool of course it looks amazing it's got all my favorite guys in it it's got <laughs> method man in it oh um, method man is good actually yeah he's great He's good in that movie. Well, Method Man went on to like do um, the wire, the wire, but also like he had a sitcom for a while, didn't he? Really? I know. I think so. Yeah. Life How with high. Meth. <laughs> no, wasn't there like a Method <laughs> and Red Life on Meth? <laughs> yeah, Method and Red. That's a different show. Meth and Red. Yeah, Method and Red. It was a TV show. Oh, like sitcom a reality on Fox. show. Yeah. Or was it? No, a it was sitcom. a sitcom. It oh, was a sitcom. Wow. <laughs> Okay. One season. Well, I know what I'm watching. Yeah, next. yeah. That's this is trivia, Jeremy. It's well, this not is like, like one of those things that, like, <laughs> like similarly to your to your impression of of Belly, it's like it's one of those things that, like, you see it as a kid and you're like, oh, of course everybody knows Method and yeah, Red, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you saw it at a particular time and you liked it and it made yep. a big impression on you and you're like, well, it's a classic sitcom everybody remembers. Yeah, everything I do is universal. Exactly. I'm the main <laughs> character. <laughs> Everybody has the same knowledge that I have. Right. Um, Bryn, what, uh, what what did you watch this week? Oh, what did I watch this week? Um, okay. Well, I wanted to... I think I'm going to talk about uh, this movie that I watched um, called Girlfriends. Okay. It's from um, 1978, I think. And... Um, it's on the Criterion Collection, apparently. I'd never heard of this movie until this week. Um, 
It's directed by a woman named Claudia Weil. Will? I'm not sure. I don't know. They let women direct movies in 1978. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither, honestly. And that's one of the... So the reason I was really interested in this movie um, was that it's a set in New York. It's shot in New York. And it's like... Mm -hmm. It's it was shot on sixteen millimeter. It was, I believe, the very first movie America gave grants to, like through the NED. Okay. She made it for like a couple, you know, maybe like ten thousand dollars or something. So it's like a really early indie movie. Um, I guess the budget was five hundred thousand dollars. Um, but I read about it, and she said that they like filmed them as shorts about uh, just like friends, mm-hmm. and then wanted to follow one of the characters and then filmed more and then like asked for more grants and like kept having to shoot it piecemeal. So what it is, is just this movie about it's your sort of classic, like rich ish Jewish white girl in the city, like is an artist. She's a photographer and mm-hmm. she's like trying to get a show, like an art show and her and her roommate like have this friendship and then her roommate gets married and mm. she's like really taken by surprise by this, and like it kind of ruins their friendship. Yeah, and always does. That's yeah. the movie, though. Like it's like really just that's all that happens. It's like a, it. It basically feels like if like Lena Dunham was much funnier, and in 1978, and like mm. was, so the way I felt about it was like you remember if you if you like grew up listening to Nickelback and Seether, and then heard. Nirvana for the first time, right? Okay. You know what I mean. You're like, oh, yes. well, all of this, like, girls is a stupid show. Right. I hate these like dumb idiots, and I all of this sort of like, I'm an airhead in New York stuff. And then you watch this really beautiful little, you know, character piece mm-hmm. from 1978. It, it's a, it like, is oh, like the yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> uh, right. Gre- Greta Gerwig basically said like <laughs> it was one of her favorite movies of all time, and like I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like um, it's like reading all those like hand wringing like various types of of uh, like New Yorker articles and and cringing at them and then like one day you read Joan Didion and you're like that's where this comes yeah, yeah. from I get it <laughs> yeah exactly it's she was the, fun- the first pain in the ass <laughs> <laughs> but there's you know vitality to it because it's new you know so mm-hmm. it feels like this sort of really novel and interesting thing because no one's ever done it before so. You know, she casts uh, Christopher Guest as her boyfriend, who okay. plays this sort of like weird, awkward, you know, hipster guy um, who's just like doesn't really know how to talk to people. <laughs> um, he's like the Adam Driver. He, exactly. He is 100% the Adam Driver. And he's <laughs> great, you know, and they're as this sort of like asshole boyfriend, but like they work together in certain ways. And then the woman she gets married that her roommate gets married to is Bob Balaban. Oh, (laughs) but he's young. So he has this like real, like I'm a perfect, like little bit Asperger's-y like bearded (laughs) cute guy, you know? And it's like, it's really weird to see all these actors who went on to do other stuff, Mm -hmm. do this really charming, you know, we're just hipsters in New York. But it's forty years so ago. So it literally it, is girl. Yeah, so it how literally often is. Does she appear naked? Uh, once. I mean, just if we're making the girls comparison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of twice, actually. Okay. <laughs> um, All right. So yeah, it's well, very that similar. Out, that whole thing. Um, but I thought it was, you know, it's not the most well-made film. It's her first movie, and she like mm-hmm. 
she basically did a, a Hollywood movie and then never really did a feature again. She was just like, I don't want to work in this stupid industry. I want to like make tell stories or whatever. Mm. Um, she like directed theater um, for the rest of her life, and then. Um, but Did she uh, made itty bitty titty committee. No, that's the actress. <gasps> oh, I think. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, the actress is in that. The actress is great. She's like, it, it's 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 a really cute movie, and um, I was it was it, you know it's it it has a lot of like rough around the edges stuff, but I think there is a a real a real charm to it that I was, I was glad. And also it's just, it's New York in the seventies. And I love to see shots. Right, you of that. Get, you so. love to see that. Of course. <laughs> no, you gotta, I will watch yeah. this. <laughs> I will watch literally anything that's New York in the seventies. Yeah. Um, I've told you Brent about this before, but um, Emily, have you ever seen um, style wars? The graffiti documentary um, from like I, the late seventies, early eighties. I have seen, bits and pieces of it i i'm aware of that documentary yeah it's another one of those things where it's like i don't even particularly think it's a very insightful documentary or like <laughs> that it has anything interesting to say or whatever but like i'll just throw it on fairly sure. often just to like look at old shots in new york and like totally. the old trains and stuff come on you oh, love there's it so many there's so many old trains <laughs> it's a yeah it's a fun time like the one of the the main reason i watch it is because like the article i was like i don't know how i even came across it um, but it was like them coming out of the subway and I was like, oh, wow, look at how different the subway sign is. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I was like, I better watch this. So I threw it on. It was yeah. really good. That's one of the fun parts about watching Whit Stillman movies too. They're all in New Whit York. Whit Stillman. He what did, did he um, do? Last Days of Disco and Metropolitan are the oh, two yeah. that right, I've right. seen. It's not, it's yeah. not as old New York, but mm -hmm. it's all, it's all fun. It's yeah, but I do find reason. like there's a point where it's like too old New York, and then it's like <laughs> I don't really care anymore. Actually, <laughs> if there's a horse and buggy, then it's gone. It's gone. That's back too, far. too far. But even like um, I watched that um, that like five hour Scorsese documentary about Bob Dylan, and like uh, okay, like <laughs> which one? Which is in every single way well, like just an inappropriate concept. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's like there's so much footage of like '60s New York. Didn't really care. Hmm. Didn't care that much. It didn't really do much for me to see like what Washington Square Park looked like in the 60s. It's, it's like 70s different? and 80s is when you want to be <laughs> yeah. there, I feel. Is it because you? it's like too different and you can't like really put yourself there? It could be. It also could just be like I've heard so much about like 60s New York that you're just like. I'll just watch <sighs> Mad Men. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <Apologize>. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> do you like, um, what about, uh, um, what the fuck is Gangs that? of New York. Not huh? that. <laughs> fuck that movie. Um, that uh, broad, the one with um, the one with Steve Buscemi and Michael Pitt. Mm. The name oh, of that Boardwalk show. Empire. Boardwalk Empire. I, I loved that show. I it, it, Did you? It kind of fell off on the last season, but I watched it when it was on. Also, my celebrity doppelganger, Kelly McDonald, is in that show. Mm. Kelly McDonald? I think I watched the first season of uh, Boardwalk Empire, and I didn't really, it didn't, like, catch for me. Does it, like, get better? Is that is it one of those? I, I've never seen it. I enjoy period piece, and it's kind of mobstery, and the Kelly mm -hmm. McDonald character has a great arc for a while, where she starts off as a shop girl, and then she's, like, outspoken and smart, and mm -hmm. ends up hooking up with Steve Buscemi, and then Ooh. she becomes, but then, like, she becomes less and less relatable, and, um... I, I think it's a good show. I mean, I haven't seen it in years, but I liked it. The last season was maybe a little like, 
Also, they kill off the protagonist, Michael Pitt. Spoiler alert. Should have said that before the <laughs> spoiler, but <laughs> right, right. But oh this God, show you do is like, like Kelly McDonald. <laughs> that's my one celebrity doppelganger. Yeah, yeah. So you can just put her picture up if you you know on the episode. <laughs> we had description. Kelly McDonald on the show. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I I I like it. I've never seen that show, but I've always thought it would be interesting to watch because it's shot here, but it's old. <laughs> yeah. Like, I like that it's not sets. Like, it's actually shot in Bed-Stuy and, and, you know, Yeah, and Broadway in Junction. Atlantic City. And mm-hmm. um, there used to be this old-timey, uh, old-timey style, like, barbershop down the street. I used to work on Ludlow Street in the Lower East Side, and down the street there was this barbershop. I forget what it was called, but, like, all the barbers actually dressed, like, 1930s like whatever mm. barbers with their little mustaches and hair <laughs> little armbands yeah on there. and they filmed in that place because they barely had to do anything yeah <laughs> <laughs> can we just film you guys yeah, yeah exactly. you guys we'll just do you. your thing just go about your day <laughs> act normal <laughs> well what did you watch jeremy um so i wanted to talk about two things briefly um one is a uh, it's a reality show on netflix that Bryn, Uh-oh. I think you would really enjoy, uh, if not just for the fantasy of of what you would do if you were on the show. Uh-oh. Uh, because, uh, <laughs> so, well, something that I know about Bryn uh, and that listeners will know about Bryn from when we talked about um, The Hustler uh, is that yeah. Bryn loves to lie. I love Bryn to lie. Bryn loves it. <laughs> <laughs> so this Netflix show is called, uh, it's called The Circle. I knew you were going to talk about that. The, the, concept, the concept of the circle is that everybody is locked in different rooms of a building and you can only co- contact each other via the like internal network social media thing that they have created where like you show like a picture of yourself and you write a little bio and you can like DM each other and stuff. And there's like a group okay. chat that everyone's in. And that's the only impression anybody gets of each other. Right. And the goal of the game is kind of a little weird. It's like the the goal to win is like to be the most liked. (laughs) So (laughs) if people like you, then they like keep you around. But it kind of feels like it's just the game aspect of it is like, who cares? It's more about like the drama and the fun of like lying to each other and like trying to figure out who's lying to each other and stuff. Um, That sounds fun. It's really weird. What Uh, kind of situations do they get into? Like, what are the stakes? there's uh the stakes are like if you if people don't like you then they vote you off and then you're like off you get the to show. leave the room you're locked in yeah exactly it sounds like a pretty okay <laughs> it's like the Awful. money that you win at the end is a hundred thousand bucks so it's like good money but not really like i don't know it's like, not life-changing I, money yeah i don't imagine that they're actually locked in these rooms full-time because if they were then it's like i don't know if i would be locked in a room i for- bet they are though because i mean i've talked to people i had a friend who used to work on the bachelor um mm-hmm. as a pa and she told me that for like weeks that for like two weeks and this was before covid they would lock contestants i mean maybe not in their rooms but i think so i think they were all like isolated in rooms without technology and that, you know, just until... Just to, like, keep people were... from finding out what was yeah. happening on The Bachelor? I Interesting. guess. <laughs> Something, but it, it was before they even started filming, I think. I don't remember why they did that. But it was her job <laughs> to, like, bring them food and go get them stuff. Wow. Interesting. So. Well, anyway, so the, the, the circle, it's like, I don't know, the... The idea is that there's like always a couple people who are lying in like a fun, charming way that that you'll find interesting, like... Uh, there's um 
like an old gay man who's pretending to be a young gay man and there's like <laughs> there's like a woman who's a pretending stretch. to be a single father and like uh oh. lance bass's personal assistant is pretending to be lance bass uh, <laughs> oh wow <laughs> they have lance uh, bass here so they can't see each other at all they can't see each other you can only see what the person puts in their profile picture and the only you don't hear their voice you just see them you know typing to you and whatever so and at the end microcosm. if you get yeah, exactly. And and if you get kicked off the show, then you leave a video message for everybody revealing who you really were. You're like, psych, I was actually an old gay man. Uh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> psych, I'm actually normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, okay, so how many episodes, like, how far do you get each episode? Like, is it is it a is it a group of people every episode? No, it's like the same. Like, it's uh, it starts with six people, and then one person gets voted off, and then they add a new person to the mix. And like oh. they do that cycle a few times. It's the game aspect of it. I, I am telling you, the game aspect of it is like really not very besides well thought out. <laughs> and and yeah, exactly. It's besides the point. Clearly, <laughs> it's like anybody who really wanted to win the game could very easily win the game by just going in and being like, "Well, who's the most likable person? I'm gonna get rid of them because then they'll win." <laughs> Right. But instead, all the people on the show are always saying, like, I like that person. Yeah. I want to keep him around. And you're like, why would you do that? <laughs> if you like them, get rid of them. <laughs> That's the point of the game. Yeah, exactly. Be rude. Um, so the other show I wanted to talk about is, uh, of course, The Handmaid's Tale, which we kind of talked about a little bit on the bonus episode oh, last yeah. week. Uh, but the new season just started. I just started watching it. Um, Emily, do you watch the, the Handmaid's Tale? I watched the first season. And mm-hmm. I started the second season, and I remember somewhere when she got, she was like stuck in an office building. It kind of lost me. I was mm-hmm. like, uh, anyway. So then I stopped watching. Yeah, yeah, I had almost the exact. I watched the first season, and then I definitely watched like an episode or something of the second season, and was like, I don't know if I want this anymore. <laughs> and then just stopped. For and some the source reason. material ends at the end of the first season. Basically, they like put her in a, at the end of the book. They like put her in a van and yeah. drive away and, and that's, that's it. like it yeah and then the, the book is supposed to be like the journal that she left behind or something yeah yeah my name um, is offered like whatever else yeah. she says yeah like remember me or yeah. whatever <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. well so i've i've been so a we're devoted on watcher four I, now? we're on season four uh and four yeah okay and so at the end of the last season i realized um when I watched the recap of it, uh, the, <laughs> the end of the last season is that she like liberates like all these kids. She like gets 40 kids onto an airplane and like sends them to Canada. And um, the beginning of this season is kind of dealing with the, the, um, the like aftermath of that. Right. And I realized who the show is for finally. Like I, I've, cause we talked about this a little bit last week that like, it's it's a weird show because it's like it clearly has like something political to say, but it doesn't really seem to know what and yeah. it's kind of making it's like weaving a tapestry of political imagery and like things that are in the neighborhood of a take, but not quite a take. <laughs> and like if you squint your eyes and look at it, you're like, OK, well, this is like a feminist piece and mm-hmm. I don't know what exactly it has to say, but it's saying something. Uh, and I think I realized that it's it's in a weird way it's like a fantasy piece it's a it's a, it's like a singular mm. person's fantasy to be like if i were in this scenario right. 
I'd be June. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because like the whole thing is June constantly making these like really selfless sacrifices where she's like, I will risk my life to get these kids out. I don't know these kids, but this is important and I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. then um also never facing any consequences. She's constantly like not getting killed like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she gets tortured a couple times. She gets right? tortured all the time, but that's you know, <laughs> that means that she can continue to exist for you to continue being like, that would be me. Yeah. I'd be the one <laughs> I like I'd be the one getting people out. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you're not. You do live in that world and you're down you're not doing right. that. Right, you're not getting <laughs> but, the kids. But you actually out. do have opportunities to <laughs> <laughs> like on a less dramatic, you know, yeah, public but I, scale. And I think I think one of my big issues with the show is that I think you're right, Jeremy, that it's it's definitely like a a wish fulfillment sort of fantasy of like that's the word I was looking for, wish fulfillment. It's like uh, it's because, like tactical vest shit for women, <laughs> <laughs> right? And we do all want to hook up with Max Minghella. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Super. <laughs> yeah, hot. she's like she's got all these hot boyfriends all over the world. She's got a husband who's like still loyal to her, even though he's in Canada and he doesn't even know if she's alive. Like, <laughs> and she's becoming like some like international liberator or yeah, something. Yeah, she's a celebrity in this season. Everybody knows oh her God. as the liberator. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, but like, I it's just such a. I think one of the things that started to bug me is that it's a really individualist, like non-materialist version of like an oppressive culture and how you fight mm-hmm. back against it. Cause like, there's not really a lot of organizing, right? There's no like getting a bunch of people to like pull off big plans. Well, there is now like later on in the series that does start to come okay. up more. Um, Cause like, that's what she's kind of doing now in this season is like, she's got this crew of handmaids who she like freed all the kids with. And then now they're on the run. And, um, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't know where it's going. I'm only a couple episodes in, but, um, what was the point of freeing children? Uh, so that they don't have to grow up in this oppressive, non-specifically religious place. Yeah. But like all the adults do too, still have to, right? Yes. Yeah. But I guess like she's she's a mother and a big mm. part of this also is about motherhood. Uh-huh, of course. Um, that's a big that's a big part of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's also interesting that it's like non-specifically religious. Like, I think that a big part of it, too, is to it, it kind of adds to that feeling of like this has something to say, but we don't know what like. <laughs> You know, they're like some sort of like fake Orthodox Christian thing where like they never talk about Jesus because that would be too controversial. They're not (laughs) Jewish, but they have like a lot of the Jewish rules. Like everything is kind of like close to something, but not quite the thing. Just to make sure that we can like, you know, still stay on TV and not become too much, which is kind of crazy too. If you think about it, it's a show about like a religious fascist state that's like systematically raping women and like you never hear Republicans talk about it. Do they know about it? They're Maybe that's what to, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a visual. <laughs> it's a visual joke for the podcast. <laughs> Emily is picking up her phone and starting to tweet. Seriously yeah, tweeting. Presumably, oh, I thought you were texting Republican. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In my Republican group text. Sending a yeah, text blast <laughs> to the homies. Yeah, I, I mean, is, is, their re- is their resistance very violent? Do they, are they armed? Are they trying? Uh, yes, to dis- at times they. It's hard because there's like there there's limited access. It seems like um, something I was reminded of in the recap is that like they 
in the end of the last season, they like take on uh, armed guards to get the kids onto the plane uh, by throwing rocks at them from the woods. So it's like hmm. a very Ewok style sort of a <laughs> resistance. <laughs> they don't have guns. What the fuck? Well, it's hard to gain access because you're you're a handmaiden, like you're you know Boston Victorian home rape dungeon. Like you <laughs> yeah. don't really have access to anything. <laughs> You have like turnips. You have turnips that you can throw. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that sounds fun. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, that's the problem with something like this is that like people, when they want to, I don't know, it just bugs me because it's like nobody wants to like try and make a story about someone actually doing something and then what mm-hmm. they would do after. Because right. you, you know that if they ever, like, end Gilead, that's the end of the show. You know, right. there'll be some, like, hopeful, like, shot where they're watching, like, the palace burn or something. And then they're like, yeah. yeah. And then something happened. Right. We want to see what happens when you rebuild restored. that society. Like, how do you pick up the pieces of Gilead once it's been? Right. There's yeah, a little bit of that. There's a little bit of that happening now because there's, like, a B-plot of, like, her friend from the before times who's, like... Um, like an organizer in Canada helping like the refugee kids like integrate into Canadian society. And so there's like a little bit happening with that where they're just like, I'm a kid. All I've ever known was Gilead. Like I miss home. Right. And she's yeah. like, yeah, but this is better. And they're like, why? And she's <laughs> like, I can't really explain it yet. You don't really understand the basics. <laughs> <laughs> of rape? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, they're little kids. They're like really little. They're not even like, you know, like preteens. They're like little, little kids. Right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's I don't know. I kind of wish it had like my dream version of the show is one where like she's out of Gilead now and it becomes a different show altogether. It becomes like a political intrigue and now she like works for like the ICC and like she's like <laughs> it becomes like a you know like a totally different genre of show altogether and like that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'd but like to see that. Kind of- it on. just is. It's, yeah, yeah. get on the phone again. <laughs> Emily is tweeting once again, or calling <laughs> her senator. That's right. Again, we'll have to release a video. <laughs> yeah, all right, well, that's right. enough. Well, spe- that's enough about of, that. Speaking of uh, systemic misogyny. Uh, yes. <laughs> we've got uh, what our, the show... The, the movie we watched this week was uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, um, written by David Mamet, directed by somebody I always forget the name of. James Foley. James Foley. James Foley of uh, Fifty Shades Darker and Fifty Shades Free. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, my but God. But not the first one. <laughs> okay. I've actually only seen the first one of the Fifty Shades movie, and it's so fucking terrible. It's That's not, what I hear. It's not even enjoyably bad. I did not. I did not see it, but I do love the first Twilight movie because it's hilarious. Um, not different directors, though. I, I don't know anything else this guy's really done except for Fear, the movie Fear with uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> with Mark Wahlberg. Um, oh but- my god! <laughs> How did this happen? Is that, I'm that's so, where he's I'm- the abusive boyfriend. Yes. Um, the one where he's like, there's that like fisheye lens shot, and he's like screaming at the door. Oh my um, god! Wow. Uh, Wow, wow. Yeah, not Takes a very good movie. <laughs> I don't think this guy's really ever done anything no. good well, this is, except for this. This is a this is maybe getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but like one of the fascinating things about this movie is that it like bombed at the box office really badly. 
and um, right, it was like a massive financial failure. And it kind of goes to show a little bit like how craven Hollywood is when it comes to money that like this movie is considered like an absolute classic. Like mm-hmm. it's one of the most well-known, like there's things in this that you, Emily, you'd never seen the movie before, but there's probably things in this that you've yeah, seen because be you're just closing. like, I, I know these things. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, it's a cultural no icon. To always be closing. Exactly. But then like, <laughs> because it made no money, he goes on to make like nothing but, you know, two bits, the chamber, the corrupter, like these movies that are like, in the vicinity of money, but like they're all, <laughs> well, you know, it's, they're all little budget movies with like big people in them. Right. You know, it's hard because, okay. So this is a movie uh, based on David Mamet's play. And I think the thing is, is that the director here, he does a good job. It's a very, mm-hmm. very serviceable, uh, you know, direction of, of the play, but it, doesn't really matter like this could have looked the direction half you as, mean? yeah i think the movie could have yeah. looked half as good and basically been the same film that's like, true he basically some... just had to point a camera yeah exactly point the camera like on the two people that are talking really fast and... yeah. <laughs> I, well this is probably okay so this is like the third time i've seen this movie um and i really was trying to pay attention to what this movie looked like um and there are some really interesting moves and like really beautiful shots um and frames but it's it really doesn't matter like it it, it, like it could have all just been one master um every scene you know like a a play because it's a play right um and there's some stuff where like shelly's talking on the phone and it's real close and there's like half of the screen is red and like blue but it's like i thought the colors were really interesting all the red and blue lighting yeah yeah a lot of, but it's like, does that mean anything? I, I don't, I, who cares? Um, it looks nice though. Like I will say it's serviceable. It looks nice. Uh, right. But let's just talk about what this movie is for those who haven't seen it. Um, there's not a lot of plot here. It's a lot of talking, but basically you've got four guys who work for a real estate selling company. They're salesmen yeah. and they are told uh, one night from a, um, an agent of the upper downtown big business bosses uh, played by Alec Baldwin. You've probably heard this monologue, always be closing. He says, uh, all four of you are now in competition by like the end of tomorrow or something. Like it's the end of the week. I thought, no, I'm not sure. Um, It does seem like the next day they're like, (laughs) I win the Cadillac. Right. No, it was so it's, it's the the competition has already been going on where it's like, if you make the top sales for the month or whatever, it's like you get a Cadillac. Second prize gets steak knives. And that was what it was understood Third to prize, be. You're fired. Well, yeah. So then that's what it is, is his, his monologue is him coming in to be like, guess what? I'm adding a twist to the, to the contest. Now third prize is you're fired. Yeah. Last two people you get fucking fired. Yeah. Um, and so now they're like, Oh no, this sucks. <laughs> um, that's exactly, that's a direct oh, line of dialogue. No. They're like, Oh shucks. That's oh. a sharp mammoth speed. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. There's a lot of G, palm G willikers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they, uh, they all freak out and go on their different ways. Um, 
Mr. Roma, played by Al Pacino, is not there for this speech. Because um, he's like, I'm a hot shot. I don't need he's to be there. I'm the top Already runner. winning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Jack Lemon is like, oh, shit, I've got to win. I don't want to lose. Um, and so he starts trying to ask Kevin Spacey, who's like the manager of the office, for yeah. the better leads um, they have these good leads, the Glen Gary leads. Yeah, yeah they Jack have these Lemon... like, pieces of paper that are physical, <laughs> just like names of people that you call. And yeah. some of them are good leads and some of them are not. Strong. Yeah, they, leads. they imply that like some of these leads have been like in their system for like 10 years right. at least. Like yeah. just people who they'll just constantly re-up to just be like, hey, are you interested in buying <laughs> yeah. property now? Right. <laughs> no? Okay. And there's no, um, it seems like there's no system for saying no. They're, this one is definitely dead. Right. Never right. call this person again. It's just constantly like, why don't you try this? Yeah. Yeah, because um, it's it's like this isn't, like a good real estate firm that they work at. Like this isn't like, they're not selling like a house that somebody's trying to sell or something. It seemingly is like a scam that they're running where it's (laughs) like, they're trying to sell like swamp and being like, it's got, it's great land to develop. Let me tell you, you're going to love it. (laughs) The sales strategy is to sound, be like, listen, I just happen to be in town for one day. I could drop Mm -hmm. in like, Oh, what's that? Oh, my thousand dollars just got here. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I've got a sign for that. I I must go. My thousand dollar delivery. I don't know why that's what I just came into my stupid brain. (laughs) Well, I'm picturing it's a guy with like a pizza bag. Yeah. He's like opening the pizza bag and he's got like the box that's full of money. Oh no, my thousands of dollars is here. Um, and so I've got hot thousands of dollars for you. <laughs> so immediately everyone starts going on their their sit. Um, right. But what that means is Jack Lemon is saying, "Listen, Kevin Spacey, I'll give you twenty percent of what I make and fifty dollars a lead if you give me the Glen Gary leads." And there's a whole scene where he's trying to swindle the good leads out from him. That doesn't end up working. Then uh, Moss and Alan Alda. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? What is it? Ed uh, Ed Harris. Aaron Alan Harris. Arkin, not Alan Alda. Oh, Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin and Ed Harris. They're the sort of like wimpier guys who aren't as good and are clearly going to lose. And so they sit down and they're like, "Wait a minute. What if we rob, knock the joint over, and we take the leads and we take the contracts and we sell them to this other firm to a competitor?" Yeah. Right, and they're like, and they're all scared and nervously talking about this. And then Roma has this like really big fish on the line, this like, you know, big dope, this clear mark, <laughs> who's like, uh, you know, he's just getting him drunker and drunker through the movie, and just like selling him all this weird philosophical, like you got to take life by the balls right. kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. It's really fun. It's yeah. a very fun like slow down I'll, from I'll, the rest of it all <laughs> yeah right pacino is just gliding through his lines he's just yeah. he's so good he's butter on yeah it's fantastic everybody's really good at everyone's this. great yeah but and so lemon and lemon and pacino are the two like yeah wah. for sure i agree and uh and so the night ends um and then the the place has been knocked off and then sort of the last half of the movie you're sort of trying to figure out who did it and your immediate thought is that it's Ed Harris and and Alan Arkin, Alan Arkin. and that and so um, Roma Pacino's character is like bragging about his big fish. He's like, "I won the Cadillac," and Lemon is like, "No, I won eighty 
I got $80,000 from Mrs. Nyborg or whatever. Yeah. And uh, you close that, wrap it up, it's my Cadillac. And so that there's some sort of finishing thing where the guy comes back, the Mark comes back to the office and is like, I got to cancel it. My wife says I can't spend all this money on it. And you're going to lose the sale. And he's like, no, 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 we'll figure it out. And then him and Shelly, uh, Jack Lemon, do a good like, a fun like ruse where he's saying that he yeah he's is, pretending to be a rich guy he's like i've got to go to the airport yeah, right. <laughs> <During> <laughs> i've got to bring this thousand dollars to somebody else during this time there's a cop there right and, and he's, he's interviewing like, everybody constantly taking people out of the scene to like interview them to make sure that they didn't knock the joint over and so it it just like tension is escalating to the point where williamson kevin spacey's character basically ends up fucking over roma's deal the details aren't important but he basically tells him information that loses in the deal and he lies about it it's not true um and then it, he says the contract went through already right but it didn't and then jack lemon rubs it in his face because he's so full of cockiness and he's like yeah yeah, yeah. ah you are a shithead williamson <laughs> <laughs> i love that i love his monologue there he's like well you sure are a, a piece sh- of shit <laughs> you are a shithead williamson uh, <laughs> And, and he's like strutting around yeah. as he's doing it. It's so fun. <laughs> and then, he, and then, basically through his monologue, he's like, "If you gotta make something up, you gotta make sure it helps somebody." And he's like, "How do you know I made it up?" And he's like, "What do you mean? I don't know. I was just guessing." And then he's like, "No, no, you knew." And then basically through that, you find out that Lemon was the one who knocked the joint over. Kevin Spacey, the sniveling asshole that he is, is like, I'm gonna turn you in. He's like, "Why? We got we can do a deal." And he's like, "Cause I don't like you." And then. <laughs> just turns him in basically and uh i think roma is saying look Shelley, he's like on the great. phone with somebody and he's like yeah because they just got done like there's some implication that like that him and lemon go way back and and like he's lemon like sort of showed him the ropes yeah and lemon's yeah, like yeah. i just want to say goodbye to him and the cop's like no you're not allowed and he's like come <laughs> on he's just on the phone i'm gonna go to jail i'll i'll, I'll go don't worry about it. i just want to say goodbye to him and he's like no you can't and he's like all right fine and roma doesn't know what's happening he doesn't know yeah. that right he barely knows anything in the whole movie he's like kind of just pops in <laughs> every so often he's just winning all the time yeah, yeah he's too uh, busy too busy closing yeah and then it and then it uh, what's the last shot? It's somebody making it. Oh, it's it's Alan Arkin being like, "Hello, can I sell you some property?" Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's just a it continues just, it keeps going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the movie. Um, that's the story. But I think what's yeah. really important is that the story is kind of not doesn't really matter. What's really fun about the movie and makes it really worth watching is that it's. Mamet doing the most mammity thing he's ever done, <laughs> maybe. For sure, yeah. <laughs> um, where it's just, I-, I guess, like the precursor to Sorkin, right? Where it's like this very, or probably way better than Sorkin, I think, just doing these very naturalistic, very purposeful speech patterns that sort of put you in a trance. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily, you never seen this movie. What was your take on it? Um, yeah, I'm curious first what was what what did you think going in it was gonna be like? I guess I was I was like it's gonna be a bunch of like slick hot shot like Wall Street dudes. I guess that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Like I truly didn't know. I just knew it was like gonna have big male energy, like <laughs> 
lot of testosterone trying to do, sell stuff, but I had just assumed it was like stocks. I didn't realize that they were, you know, fairly disenfranchised, like shitty, you know, mm-hmm. bottom rung um, salesmen, which does make mm-hmm. it more interesting because I went in thinking that they were all kind of like the cocks of the walk or whatever. Gordon Gecko S. Yes. People. Um, so what did I, I, at first I was like, I just, I, I had to like wrap my mind around what the tone of the movie was going to be. And then I was like, mm-hmm. okay. And then I really just fully got enamored with, um, Jack Lemon because he's just so oh, yeah. good. I mean, you know, I think Ed Harris, Alan Arkin, I think they're good, but I just, they're, they're I think those characters are pretty flat and they're kind of just mm-hmm. like have this, you know, witty dialogue or whatever that's interesting. And a lot of it is Alan Arkin being like, what if we did do that? And then if we did, you know, just like kind of saying <laughs> yep. the same thing that he just said, but like in agreement. Um, but yeah, I mean, see, Jack Lemon vacillating from being just like really pathetic and desperate to being like determined and then being cocky and then back to like desperate and was really quite a ride. Yeah. And it's cool because it's all like, it's all informed by that desperation so well. Like there's no point where even when he's like at his cockiest, when he's really like, you sure are a shithead. Like I still, (laughs) I don't believe him when he's doing that. Like, even though I'm like bought into the moment, I'm like, but like Shelly doesn't believe this right Right. now. Shelly doesn't believe it's this good. Right. Because he didn't actually make a sale. And, you know, he keeps talking about the streak. He's like, you know, I've just hit a, a bad streak, like, yeah, right. yeah. you know, I got to turn it around. So he didn't actually, he just fucking committed a crime. So part of him, I'm sure, is also <laughs> just trying to sell it. Like, okay, well, let's all just forget about that. Let's just move on. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I think yeah, that's I mean, one I guess of the, I wonder, like... What's ooh. one of the most interesting things in the movie? Because I, I think my feeling about this movie is, first of all, Mamet, Mamet's politics as a person uh, aren't great. Mm. Um, but mm-hmm. I think... I think even a sort of right winger understands that like the system that these people are dealing with is hell. Like he, he's, he's trying to make sort of like a living hell scenario where everyone's sort of doubting each other. Everyone's doubting themselves. Everyone it's, it's sort of like no exit or, um, uh, that, as a matter of fact, the actors when making this movie started calling the movie uh, "Death of a Fucking Salesman," <laughs> <laughs> like "Death of a Salesman" yeah. with a lot of cursing, um, because it has a lot of swearing, um, and uh, because I think it's a very similar vibes where it's just like a guy who's trying to do something, but like is being held back by the way the the system is set up. Yeah. Um, the only difference is that of course, like Willie Loman was, you know, a salesman that was just working for himself. And these men work within the framework of this shitty company that is kind of like keeping them down. Right. right. And they, they talk so much about, you know, Mitch and Murray and like, I'm going to Limkin as if it's like God, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this like sort of like what happens outside or like who's controlling all of this. Um, and, and there is, I don't think it's a direct metaphor or for like any sort of like existential thing but it's um it's definitely a kind of to demonstrate that they're just like wasting their lives like churning at this this stupid thing and it's it's kind of like it's in some ways it feels like a bit of a metaphor for like the like the working class kind of like tearing at one another 
like at different right. times, like being able to be the one who's on top in this very right. bottom place where like every character basically except for Alan Arkin at some point or another, like gets to wield the pressure, right? The pressure is ever present throughout the whole movie, but everybody at one time or another gets to wield the pressure and like right. put it over somebody else. And then they get yeah. it put over them. And like, it's one after another, after another until it's finally like Kevin Spacey's at the top and he just squashes him. Right. Right. And, uh-huh. and it's, I guess it's like all these people are, are constantly like, I, but now it's me and I'm going to be the one who gets to do it. And, <laughs> and, and never once realizing that like you're all shit. Yeah. Every one of you is shit. Yeah. Like even Al Pacino is like, you know, he's going to win a car, but like even right. he's like not going to get to go wherever Alec Baldwin got right. to go. And as you soon know as I mean? Alec Baldwin came, comes back in the scene, he's going to be the one to shit on everybody. And then I'm sure yeah. there's, you know, actually mission Murray or Limpkin could come in and crush all of them. It's just like, I think it, it really is, you know, he's very interested in like, changing the dynamics of power with language Mm -hmm. like i think that's sort of his obsession like if you've ever seen wag the dog have you ever seen that movie Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. um he wrote that movie or um as well um i can't remember he's done so much stuff but you ever see uh spanish prisoner uh is that the uh, one with steve Steve Martin. martin yeah yeah, I did watch that movie. That movie's awesome. Steve Martin and and I think it's like Michael Keaton is the other guy. I remember wow. that movie was also one of those movies that like I was ten when that movie came out, and I was like, I gotta see this. <laughs> it was <laughs> Belly and the Spanish Prisoner. Yeah, my parents were like, "What on earth?" Um, but uh, yeah, I think he's really interested in changing the dynamics of things in a way that is hard to decide whose side you're on. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oleana is a good example of that too. Um, and it, I, I think he's really good at it. And I, and I really like his writing for that reason. Um, but I think this is probably the best example of it where it's just, everyone has the upper hand at a different moment, but it all right. feels futile. Yeah. And half the time they, you know, they don't actually, it's just like they're projecting. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no point at which, like, Shelly actually has yeah. the upper hand, but he just, like, he's, like, he's even, like, not even really got the upper hand there. He's, like, he's wielding it for somebody else. He's just, like, well, he's left the room, so I guess I'll take it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll keep beating on him, because I, I, got, I got something. Uh, <laughs> but I, it's it's crazy, because I, I think this was the first time that I'd watched this movie and realized that, like, Shelly always is bad at his job Mm -hmm. because he seems so good at it in certain cases. Cause like what I love about lemon's performance is that like he's constantly covering up this weakness yeah, and like the, the like lemons performance of that is good. And like Shelly's supposed to also be a good actor so right, it's like right. he he's doing a good job convincing you that he's got it all under control. But if you watch it a couple times, you'll see like even when he's like at his height, he's still like just like just barely covering up sheer desperation mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and fear. Just probably um, why he's not an effective salesman. Yeah, exactly. Right. Unlike Roma, who's just he's like so just, cool, so collected. Yeah has no fear in his body at yeah. all just is absolutely just like 
I am your best friend. You're going to do whatever I'm going to tell you to do. And that's going to be by this shitty land. Yeah. And everyone's yeah. just like, okay. Yeah. Yeah the, <laughs> yeah. the the Mark at one point is like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Like as if right. it's not yeah, his yeah. money that's on the line. As it, Like as if he needs to worry about disappointing a salesman that he doesn't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, it's I think it's it's like a it's a generational thing in some ways that like Jack Lemon is supposed to represent this older style of sales where like he's the fast talker who like gets yeah. in the door and he's like, now let me tell you, I've got a great I've got a great opportunity for you. And like you <laughs> can see that when he's on, on that set. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. Cute. <laughs> Are you a fisherman? I love to go yeah. fishing. I catch very big fish. <laughs> like That one sit that you see him on, you can see that the other guy is just like, this is. I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whatever this is. No chance. Not, yeah. <laughs> not even not even a second I'm going to hear hear you yeah. out. As a matter of fact, how did you get in my house? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I bet at some point that definitely, like, they call him Levine the Machine. He's like, there was some point where, like, that was hitting right, and there was, like, a cultural time where, like, people weren't so attuned to, like, the salesman mm-hmm. as a character. And that Pacino, I guess, represents this, like, newer style of being, like, you know what? I'm not even going to talk about yeah. the product. I'm here to fucking get drunk with my boy, yeah. my homie. We're going to chill. We're going to talk about like the world yeah. and whatever. And then, oh, and what's Mer- that? Like an, a, a picture unifying- of Florida. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it feels so insane because he's talking about like a unified morality set. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> when he unfolds the paper, just. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's like, oh, what's that? I don't, I don't know what this is. <laughs> it's a good investment and it's like (laughs) what on earth is happening but i think it's great and i think i've never heard really people talk very much about how good the this the marks are you know Mm -hmm. because like you've got the i can't remember what that guy that actor's name is oh Um, yeah he's in stuff drayson price that sounds right something price yeah jonathan price jonathan price um and he's a he's great um but i think what's important is is that like having that side of it is important because everyone has been sold to you know and just like they're you know because you have these four guys who are tortured by their job but then you see the people they're selling to are just even more tortured Mm -hmm. by them like they're the Mm -hmm. little like little devils who are doing the work of satan and then like the (laughs) prisoners being tortured are just like jesus christ stop talking to me (laughs) fine i'll buy land in florida just get out of my house yeah yeah. i will give you eighty thousand (laughs) dollars to make you shut the fuck up and like this is this disgusting tentacles they're just uh constantly ringing doorbells and and like the 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 guy that lemon goes to the first time is like my wife answered a survey yeah years ago and we've been right. plagued yeah <laughs> with this <laughs> i can't make it stop like how do you make it stop and you can't um yeah because no cause is they, not a no like what's one of the i think alan arkin's on the phone at one point and and he's like he said he had to get a lawyer and they were like you let him talk to his lawyer or something yeah, like yeah. you, you yeah, let him yeah, call yeah. his lawyer <laughs> what are you an idiot yeah <laughs> yeah and that's also great when uh when when jonathan price comes back and he's like i talked to my wife and pacino's like what you talk to that bitch like, you know, <laughs> why would you you can't talk to your wife <laughs> are you out of your mind <laughs> 
you have a contract with her, but you have a contract with me. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. It's amazing seeing that switch in him too. Uh yeah, like from the, panic. the cool collected. Yeah, to like now he's panicking. Now he's like throwing everything at the yeah. wall. And he's just like, what if I get him to divorce his wife? Yeah. What if what if I get in between them? <laughs> Like, like that's literally a strategy at some point. Business like, days. You don't count. Yeah. You don't count oh, yeah. Saturday as a business day because I. Oh yeah. I do business on Saturdays, so I think it's fine. I think you're probably fine or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, and he like switches it a few times too, where he's like, "That's not a business day." And he's like, "But it is." And then and you just said it. it yeah, he's just, just what the just fla- like, great just stuff. Flailing. Everybody <laughs> just flailing and being like, no, 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 we'll, we'll look at, look at, just stop thinking about it for a second and let, you know, he's not, doesn't say it, but his, his, his tactic is stop thinking about it because I have to think about how to trick you into doing this even after you yeah. figured this out. Um, and he's like trying to get him to go away. And then this, you know, it's hard not to, because you know, ma'am, it's so good at writing this stuff. Like, it's hard not to be like, oh my God, is he going to lose the sale? Like, <laughs> you're yeah. watching it like, fuck, what's going to happen? And then fucking Williamson. He's going to lose the car. Sniveling <laughs> asshole Kevin Spacey is like, oh, I fucked it up for you. Don't worry. Yeah. And then he leaves. And then you get this sort of like huge disappointment. And then my favorite scene in the movie, or my favorite monologue in the movie is Pacino's once he finally breaks. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Williamson, I'm talking to you, shithead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like I'm gonna get you, you owe fucking me fired. Six thousand dollars and one Cadillac. <laughs> I don't care whose nephew you are. I don't, I don't know who told you you could work with men or whatever he said. Oh yeah, I don't, who said you could work with men? <laughs> you fairy, you company man. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, he just lays it on thick and just is just berating him. Um, I think, and what's best is like Kevin Spacey like knows too. He's absolutely just like I fucked up. I fucked you. I'm so f- like I and like he like shrinks like a child right. being and yelled he's kept at. His cool, pretty much the whole movie. He's mostly yeah. had the upper hand throughout, but in this yeah, instance, is like the first time, and he's like you said, shrinking, panicking. Yeah, and you could see Jack Lemmon being like, "Well, yeah, now's I'm my time going for the kill. <laughs> gonna go, no. gonna go ahead and uh, take advantage of this opportunity." <laughs> <laughs> Kevin like- Spacey's very good in this too, by the way. Yeah, he's um, great. I know he's a, uh, I know he's a pedophile and all that, <laughs> but uh, he's very good in this for, for being basically his first real movie. Really, really. Yeah, I mean, he's in like a couple of things before this, but it's like his career is like only you know six years in at this point. He's been in a couple of things, but like this is the first like big movie for him. It seems wow. like. Yeah, and I mean, he's he's definitely playing a sort of like queer coded character who's like supposed to be the, you know, the snivelly like spoiled boy who tells the big men what to do, even though he doesn't have any experience. Everyone's constantly saying like, you've never actually even done a sit. You never actually even right. sold anything. You're just like somebody's cousin. You're sucking on somebody's dick. You know, like you, you don't deserve it. Yeah, which is um, why he's I think so by the books because he's trying to prove that he can hold his own in this job and right. wants their he, respect. Yeah, I think he does. And it's it's interesting because he definitely doesn't have it, but he knows that like giving them what they want isn't going to, right. you know, get get it either. So um, he, he's an interesting character. and But you do hate him. Yeah. <laughs> like he does yeah. suck because he represents, he's basically the cop of the company. And then For sure. it's funny when the cops come, they're sort of 
just this nuisance. Yeah. <laughs> They're like another nuisance. The that, Pacino like, cop dynamic is so funny that he's just like, hold on, I hold on right now. I just, I have to take him to the airport or whatever. He's like, yeah, yeah. Cop roping like, them into like every one of his lies. Yeah. <laughs> I will be with you in a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and uh, I think it's interesting that the cops, no one ever mentions like, I don't have to talk to the police. Right. Like you can't make me talk to the police. I'm not going right. to. Good point. Um, you could you could arrest me yeah. if you have any evidence against I need me, a but I'm not, I will talk to them with a lawyer. But everyone just like is like, of course I'm going to talk to the yeah. police. I have no choice. And then they all and they all come out being like, what the fuck? Yeah. That was <laughs> How awful. Dare you talk to me that way? <laughs> That's so I can't funny. believe it. <laughs> Shocked that the cops would be rude to me, a man. That is so funny. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that is one more thing to talk about is that uh, I was no getting ready to watch it last movie. night. Yeah, I was getting ready to watch it last night and I was seeing if Mo wanted to watch with me and uh, we watched the trailer and she's like, I saw zero women. Yeah, not a <laughs> and one. And I was like, oh yeah, no, oh, there's no. there's coat five check. people in it and they're all very much men. <laughs> there's the woman at the coat check who says slow night or whatever. Oh shit, there is one. Oh. Fuck. I, it's funny because I've heard a lot she of people talk say... About, uh, she doesn't talk about the men. No, it does not pass the Bechdel test, of course. <laughs> She's not named. There's not another woman that she talks to. Like, you know, it's funny because... if I, it did. Yeah. <laughs> just for one second. There's just another coat check person and they're it's just like, like hey, fun coat check away? night, yeah. huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've sure heard a am, lot of, Miriam. I've heard a lot of movies be referred to as like movies that don't actually have any women in them and they always have one yeah and i thought i had found one but you're absolutely right there's a coat check lady in this who is just there for, a for like one second but i've always <laughs> wanted to do ever since i saw this movie probably like eight years ago i've always wanted to do a staging of it with all women and i don't think it's been done before i was thinking that when i was watching that because i was like what is the gender swapped version of this movie what would that look like like what would yeah. roma be like, what kind of lady is Roma? <laughs> It'd be like... And I, I, just, I, I constantly like Meryl think Streep about it. and the Devil Wears Prada type of vibe, maybe. I, I don't was about know. to say, yeah, mm. Devil Wears Prada would have to be, like, somewhere in the mix. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I just think you could have some really interesting casting uh, decisions. Because, <laughs> it, it, you know, there is a very strong, like, I guess masculine energy to it and yeah. that they're there's they're all about domination and stuff but i really don't think it changes that much with all women um because if you just have people who are just cutthroat and yeah evil, there's like, like a certain like corporate woman character that i could complete like a like completely believe at least being alec baldwin coming in and like doing a monologue and right. like you know and afterwards maybe like there's a scene of like I did it, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You see her leave and she's like, all right, we did it. We We did it. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it, but I did it. Yeah, but you could have the woman who plays Lydia from Breaking Bad be Jack Lemmon. (laughs) Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the the sort of like, no, no, the the madrigal woman who uh, is like the the black haired lady who at the, she's like at the end. um, I don't remember she she's like the corporate lady mm. um she's always very in control but like constantly hiding a bit of like stress um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Know, I think i think it'd be interesting because i think what the play ends up doing is showing this sort of like 
vast array of reactions to a situation where the only thing that's rewarded in your whole life is lying to people and having dominance and over another person. Like the circle. And like, yes, exactly. exactly. Like the circle. It's exactly like the circle. Um, yeah. And so I think it's a really good examination of like corporate alienation and, but by in general, it's just, incredibly fun i love watching this movie it's a hundred and it's a hundred it's a 90 minute movie and it flies by it feels like an yeah. episode or something i always want to just watch it again when i when i watch this movie you know what i just I thought it. of which i thought of when i was watching when i first started watching the movie when alec baldwin came on is that this reminds me of um like are you guys familiar with mlms and what an mlm is mm-hmm. like a multi-level yeah. marketing yeah, yeah like yeah. pyramid schemes i'm like somewhat obsessed with them. Um, my friend made a great, uh, podcast about it called the dream. And I, I like read Reddit threads called anti MLM, like subreddit. Um, anyway, but so his whole, like it reminded me of an upline, like talking to her downline. Cause you know, basically the whole MLM thing is, you know, you only make money if you're recruiting people under you, which is because it's a pyramid scheme. Right. But you know, the idea, they try to like pump up the downline by being like, it's all on you. Like, this is what you make of it. If you're not spending every single second of your day sending emails and sending unsolicited DMs to people you knew from high school trying to sell them beach body <laughs> bullshit or fucking shit, right, right. then you are not going to succeed. You know, like, basically, they're like, it, the power is in your hands to succeed, yeah. which is what And, and the failure is your own. Exactly. Like, if you don't manage to do this, yeah. like, that's because you didn't that's want it enough. It's not because right. the product is exactly. bad. It's not because the yeah. system is bad. It's because of you. Yeah. And, like, that's what they do. They have these Zoom calls, and some of them are on YouTube if you search for anti-MLM, where they're sort of saying that. They're just like, you know, some of you girls say, like, you can't unload this product. And I'm like, that's your fault, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, that's the best the, one of those is the the Cutco. Those are the best ones because that at least those are like good ass knives. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you want knives? Yeah. Why would you not want knives? Everybody Look, needs a knife. Everybody cuts things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I still have the ones that I I had a friend who got into that shit and I bought from from him because I was like I feel very bad. <laughs> <laughs> and imagine if it was yeah. Jack Lemon trying to sell you those knives, you would feel really bad. You would buy. I'd feel so sad. Eighty thousand dollars worth of knives. <laughs> Oh, I wonder if that's part of his strategy is like a sort of like a patheticness. Uh, yeah. That like as he's gotten older. When he wasn't allowed to have coffee, when he was like coffee is for closers, I, I felt so sad. <laughs> <laughs> Let him have Don't coffee. Say- he's old. It's late. <laughs> Don't say that to him. <laughs> He'll close after he has the coffee. Just let him have it. Okay, so so the the women's Glengarry Glen Ross would be like a it would be one of the MLMs that's like yeah. um like the it's like the sex toy MLM. Oh yeah, what's that one called? I forget. But yeah, exactly. If you're not going out there and having dildo parties with, with all of your girls, what are you doing? Yeah, all you've right. got family so. members. You've got someone you can tap. They need yeah. to get off. Everyone wants to get off. Nobody doesn't like their clit played with. <laughs> Yeah, that would be good. I can't wait to do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put on that. Perf- I'm gonna put. I'm gonna stage that at the Bushwick Star this coming summer. Get ready for that. All right, it's on um, record. You have to do it now. I'm going to. All right. Uh, I obviously recommend this movie. It's one of the best written like movies I've ever seen. I love it. I've seen it a bunch of times. What do you guys yeah, think? Great movie. Highly recommend. 
yeah, I would recommend this movie. It's great. <laughs> great. I love it. Everyone go watch it. It's a very fun movie. Um, that's been the show. Thanks for coming, Emily. This has been Generation Thanks for Loss. having me. Uh, yeah, would, would you like, like to plug, to plug anything? anything? Um, I have two podcasts that you could listen to if you need more. <laughs> Once you're done listening to this one, every episode of this one, obviously. You always need more. Um, one of them is called The Panducto Quarncast. <laughs> it's another movie podcast. It's, it's a stupid name that I came up with because my name is Emily Panic. My husband is El Producto. That's one of the names he goes by. So Panducto Quarantine Podcast. Anyway, but yeah, we basically watch movies and talk over them. Uh, it's fun. And oh, nice! Like a like a mystery science. Theater it's like sort a mystery thing. science theater, and then I also add voiceover where I explain what's happening in the movie, so you can listen and understand Ooh. what's going on. Interesting. Wow. That, that does sounds, take a lot of editing. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> it sounds like a very it really really show. does. Um, and then I have one called Ghosts to Show You, where me and my friend get drunk and conduct paranormal investigations. Ooh. <gasps> oh, I would. That's also like very fun. To hear that. Also, a lot of editing. There's a also voiceover. I, I can't get enough of voiceover. I insist on yeah. doing it always. So <laughs> wow, it's, it's high man, production that, value. And you always set yourself up with these ideas at the beginning of a podcast, and then like a year or two into like balling out has so many voice effects and whatever. And there was some point like two years in where I'm just like, why did we make yeah. so many jingles? There's Sound so many. Design <laughs> is also very intense. There's a lot of that on Ghost to Show You too. A lot of it's a lot of it's a real soundscape. So those are my things. <laughs> <laughs> wow that sounds amazing and uh, i can't wait to check them out so go check those out we will put the uh links in the description because they sound hard to spell <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh <laughs> follow emily at a pretty big mouth on twitter as well um anyway follow my show uh follow our show at gen loss pod go to our patreon patreon.com slash generation loss follow me at kinemontography jeremy at jeremy thunder and uh you can get Discord benefits at the at the Patreon weekly yeah, bonus, bonus episodes, episodes. Um, and we play the movie the Sunday before the episode comes out. So it's a Ooh. fun time and illegal. So <laughs> uh, we'll see you there. Thanks for listening. Just kidding! It's legal because we charge access. That's correct. <laughs> We're selling it legally. <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs>